Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Cast, welcome back. Um, as always, uh, your host today. Well, not all as always, I shouldn't say that, but I would say a good like 90% of the time, your hosts are myself, I'm Tony, and um, with me is, is Russ. I'm coming from Chicagoland, Russ is in Southwest Florida. We're doing this over Zoom, which most people are usually surprised to find out. Um, they're like, dude, it sounds like you're in the same room together. I'm like, well, we're in like a virtual chat room. We could see each other's faces and expressions and yeah, all that. Um, but, um, yeah, welcome back to, uh, the Larkcast. Glad you're here. Yeah, man. Super glad you're here. Just a really big shout out to really fast to everybody who's been chiming in and offering feedback, passing this Larkcast on to people that they know who long for freedom the freedom that jesus promised the faith that jesus promised um and another big shout out to all those who've been supporting us this podcast and all the ministries that we've been doing the traveling and meeting with people who are finding good news and passing on good news all of that is possible through listeners like you yeah if you have been in and around the lark community for any length of time and you have found freedom um, in any of our resources, uh, we want to encourage you go into the show notes of the podcast. You can uh, find like a donate now button or even go to larksite.com backslash donate and you can you can give so that content like this can can keep moving moving forward. We would yeah. appreciate that. All right, so we are continuing in our discussion through uh, the Gospel of John. If you joined us last week, you know that Russ and I are turning over a new leaf. We're turning over a new podcast leaf. It's almost like we went to like podcast counseling and the counselor was like, hey, man, um, your your podcasts are really, really long and you got them going like every other week. I think you need to go back to every week. And so we're like, "Okay, cool. Like, let's just let's just change our ways. Like, let's let's repent Mm -hmm. of an hour and seven minute podcast episodes. Let's make this thing more consumable uh, for people's commutes. And let's get back to every week. And that's what we're doing. We're shortening our episodes and we're getting back to Bible time with with uh, with Russ and Tony. And uh, we are are podcasting every week through the gospel of John. Russ, last week, you took chapter one verses one through five. And this week I got six to 13. Oh, here we go, man. So let's just got dive. Faith in you. Let's just dive right into it. So verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So really quick, we're in the gospel of John. And now John has brought up this dude named John. And I feel like the people who organize the Bible should have consulted with just anyone who works for a company that has two people with the same first name that work together, because it sounds like the apostle John, the author is referring to himself 
in the third person. And that's <laughs> not the case. Like he's talking about a totally different John. And that's where just the practical experience of like having like people who work together. It's like, okay, you're John and I'm John. Okay. You're getting either a nickname or we're like referring to you as your last name. Like take your pick. You decide you could have 24 hours. But when you come back, we're literally not having two people named John around here. Dude, that's how I became Russ. Oh, for seriously. <laughs> Fifth grade, I walked into a new school. I got kicked out of the school I was in. Had to go to a private school, Tampa Bay Christian. And uh, I walked in day one and there was a kid named Russell there. And I was Russell. And the teacher goes, hey, from now on, you, new guy, you're Russ. Yes, dude. And you say Russell. <laughs> like, from that point on, I'm going by Russ. It's like, I love Bible translators. They're some of the most, like, brilliant people in the world. But they lack that, like, everyday sort of, like, I think we might have a situation here where it sounds like John's referring to himself in the third person. Maybe we should do something about that. It's kind of an inconsequential thing at this point. The rest of chapter one is going to be really, really heavy in this character named John the Baptist. Um, but um, just a couple quick things about him, just so that we can have a reference point later on, and then we can move on to uh, verse nine. Um, John the Baptist, he lived in the woods and survived off the land. I kind of imagine him smelling like the crust punks that my sister Tessa used to hang out with, minus the obsession with looking cool. Definitely like an anti-establishment thing going on mm -hmm. with John, though. So punk rock yep. in that sense. And if you're wondering, like, well, what does this like? What does a, a crust punk smell like? It's kind of like a mixture of like body odor, patchouli, and food. And if they're carrying an animal around with them in their hoodie, like one of these kids that used to spend the night at my house, that was my sister's friend. He had a rat that he carried around. So if you <laughs> if you throw an animal in the mix, like it's definitely you definitely add like an animal in there. But that's crust punks. They're just like they just kind of they just kind of smell. They don't shower very often. Oh my god, that's kind of how I picture John the Baptist being. You know, he's eating like honey yeah. and, and bugs. And he's like yeah. off the grid, you know, he's like, he's not putting his real name in when he like starts a Facebook account, you know, he's like, I, they, no. they're not going to get me. Yeah. He's like the, he's like built like bear grills and in, in regards to like skill, but the total opposite when it comes to like, look and smell. Yeah. Hang exactly. on live, bro. But truly to me still to this day, I can't handle it. I remember yeah, moving from Tampa yeah. to Asheville, North Carolina when I was 18 and just walking around downtown one day. And I was like, man, what the hell is that smell? <laughs> a lot of patchouli down there. <laughs> Everywhere, dude. Yeah. Just... And uh, I mean, Asheville's a great city and, you know, great food and all, but it's definitely got that, 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 that hippie vibe, bro. Patchouli is life. And yeah. um, what's weird, like I grew to love the smell, but I just remember like in the early days and going, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't yeah. get it. So we're going to get a heavy dose of John the Baptist next week. But for now, just know he's kind of like this, like, dude that lives in the woods. Um, there's no bombs involved or any kind of like that kind of business. It's not like a Ted Kaczynski yeah. Unabomber situation. He's actually yeah. like he, he if let's put it this way. In the story of Jesus, John the Baptist is kind of like the band that plays just before the headliner. Like he preached about the coming of Jesus before Jesus came onto the scene. 
Like he was baptizing people and calling Pharisees to repentance and calling them a brood of vipers and like getting after it. Um, But um, when, when Jesus came on the scene, he definitely was like, yo, y'all got to stop following me and follow him. Because uh, as we looked at last week, he is the word who is face to face uh, with the father and he made all things. So he's like, yep, I'm not even fit to tie his sandals. Start following this guy. Oh, and last thing he was Jesus cousin. So that's John the Baptist. All right. So John kind of introduces him. And again, we're going to get a heavy dose next week. So verse nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's a reference to the word. If you were with us last week, John makes reference to Jesus being the light, which gives life. And he is the light of all men. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came in, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Mm. So John's kind of giving like he's given an outline for the entire book here. You'll see this as you walk through this letter, but if you're familiar with John's gospel, it's like one interaction after another, Jesus is trying to reveal what God is like to his own people. And, and more specifically, like the religious leaders who represent the religious establishment, they are not able to receive what he's saying or him himself. But you'll see these little glimpses, these little spurts of people who come and like spark a conversation with them on the side or people who are in the periphery, like hearing Jesus, like argue with Pharisees, they walk away and, and, and some are starting to believe, but in large part, the religious establishment, the, the, the Jewish institution, religious institution of the first century, they were not receiving him. And this is what he's referring to as his own people. He was largely met with rejection, with arguing, with eventually plotting, for his murder and then eventually the like carrying out of that murder. But then you see these like little glimpses here and there of people trusting in him. But if I had to take like these, these passages here and break it down into like a couple of different sections, one, what I want to get into is something that we got into last week, which is this idea of, creation and revelation we kind of touched on it and want to dive into it a little bit more and then the question of who's included so creation slash revelation and who is included so the first part is this the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world he was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him he came to his own and his own people did not receive him so it seems like last week when john brings up light he's really, really diving in on this idea of like his light is the life of men. Like, it's like, we have our being, right? We live and breathe and have our being as Paul said in Acts 17, because of, because of Jesus, he is our very life. But now John is kind of shifting to this idea of like knowing and believing. So it's almost like he's kind of like rounding off or even expounding on this idea of light And light initially was like this idea, like the life of men. And he created, everyone has their being in him, regardless if you trust in him or know him or reject him or love him and worship him. 
he is your life and that's not changing. But now it seems like true light is like this idea of like revelation, right? He keeps weaving this idea of life and knowing, believing. And so I'm prone to think that John is using light in both sense of like, he's a creator, but he's also a revealer as well. He's made us, he sustains us. He's our very life. We're all connected to the God in the most intrinsic way. He's not distant. He's not, we're not separated from God. He's our very life, but he's constantly calling to us. He came not to bring the truth, but as the truth, he is making himself known on the inside of who we are. And so I think John brings up a little bit more like he's a revealer here. He's constantly calling out to us. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you. It's, um, you know, when, when I think about, you know, John and even what you're saying right now, the verse that sticks out to me the most, the one that you read is that, that the, in a sense, the religious establishment could not receive him. Hmm. And the more I think about that in terms of what John's revealing is that, yes, Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the creator of all things. And he's revealing himself to us. He's revealing God to us. Okay. I think the reason why the religious establishment cannot receive him and what was being revealed is because the religious heart cannot accept him. Mm -hmm. I think it goes even beyond the establishment. It goes into every facet of all of society. There's this thing in us, man, that just longs for control. And I think the thing that we definitely see with John that he later reveals is just, you know, the, just the role of the enemy in the world, this father of lies. And, you know, I, I think it's easy to forget that um, humans aren't puppets. Okay. We're not, we're not puppets. We're not all controlled by these strings in which God like pulling these strings and just making us do this thing or, or that somehow Satan pulls these strings and we can't help but do this thing over here. It's like, no, we're not puppets, man. Mm. You have a God who reveals truth that allows us to open our eyes and to see what is real and begin to walk in it. But then you also have an enemy who constantly peddles lies. And those lies have definitely come to us in the regards of I'm not enough. God's not really for me. Mm. I need to control creation to really achieve the destiny that I have in mind. And I have the ability to do so, mm. right? That's like the, man, that's like the heart of all the lies, dude. And so when a God comes along and says that I am the one who made you and I'm the one who dwells with you and I am life and I'm crazy about you, there's this, you know, and, and he begins to expose the darkness in us. We either can see that as an invitation to admit our brokenness and begin to cling to this boundless love that's always been there, despite where we struggle, or we can believe the lie that no, we're in control and we've got this status that we need to achieve, this significance that we need to, right, to, to obtain in our lives. And we can begin to, you know, run that route instead. And I think that's kind of what, what he's getting at here is that the religious heart, this 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 part of humanity that feels like we're in control and we need to be able to define who we are and who we're not so that we are so that we matter so that we're enough mm -hmm. that that heart born out of a lie cannot receive what the light exposes yeah and it's like i love that um 
going back to the last phrase from last week, the light is shown in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And even though I think our illusion and our unbelief is great, like we have much going on in our own brains and our own hearts that just like, there's just something at war with the message of it is, it is finished. And we're included by a deed and a declaration, you know, of, of him, um, that the darkness can't overcome that light. And what I love about this, like kind of like under the radar work of God in the world is he's constantly revealing himself. And when he does, bro, like when he does in a, in a, just a vivid way, like inside our mind and inside our hearts in the places that he only can speak to dude, a person comes undone like undone, yeah. you know, and in, in their understanding of who he is, like it will transform you from the inside out. So we're going through Galatians right now in our community. And Paul's got that one line that, that, um, he was like, yo, I used to be a persecutor of the church, like meaning literally, like I used to have letters from the high priests from the religious institution that I can literally like kind of do whatever I wanted to just stomp out this movement called like the way, like these little Christs, mm -hmm. these little Christians, and he was, he was torturing people, you know, he was bounding people up in prison, um, killing some, he said he violently persecuted, right, the movement of God, until the day where it says that God was pleased to reveal his son in me, in me. And so this whole idea of like, it, it, it's always an inside job with God. Because we talked last week about how like, we had this vision of he was outside, he was distant, he was far off. And even if he made us, he kind of, it was a one-time act. And then we spun off to just kind of do our own thing. Or yeah. even if he sustains us, he does with a lightning bolt off the end of his finger from a good distance away. Mm. And this revealing, this light, this, this, this revealing work of the sun, it's not an outside thing, but it's always an inside job. And he's constantly at work and you see it play out in the gospel of John. Because these dudes are just arguing with him tooth and nail, like at every turn. But John always ends, you'll see, he ends the he ends every chapter and every interaction, but some believed and a great many believed. And even you get to like Nicodemus and, and Nicodemus is like, hey man, uh, under the guise of night, hey, can we, can we chat? So you have all this like, <laughs> you have all this kind of stuff going on. And it seems like the world is so hostile to God. And I think, I think it, I think it is um, to a degree. But I think there's this undercurrent, this, this kingdom, the, like just reality, <laughs> like what God is doing mm -hmm. that is just like unstoppable, man. And so I love that the true light, which gives light to everyone. He was coming into the world. He came, they didn't, they didn't receive him, but he says, but to all who did receive him, who yeah. believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. How did they become children of God? How were they quote unquote born as God's kids? They were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I think what John is doing here is he is bringing up, he is bringing up what could be the biggest issue that the church wrestled with in the New Testament. Who gets to claim they're the children of God? In other words, who's included? Who's in? Who gets to call God father? Who gets to say God's on my side? Um, and how are we included? And how is it that God is on our side? Who is loved by God and on what terms does God love them? And I think here he kind of smacks down the prevailing first century Jewish mindset for sure. 
but it's also a mindset that like continues in our day. Notice what he says here. He goes, you're not born. You don't become children of God by blood, by lineage or nationality. This has nothing to do with like who your parents are, which is what the prevailing thought was of the, of the day. They interpreted the fact that God hooked up with a dude named Abraham way back in the day. It became this nation that somehow that means that God only loves them. And they forgot one piece of the covenant that says, no, through you is going to come a seed, right? Meaning seed singular, Jesus. And in him, I'm going to bless all nations. So they thought their lineage, they thought their blood, they thought like who their mom and dad were, their family. And even if you want to get it nitpicky, like, you know, what tribe did I belong to of the 12 kind of a thing? So I belong just because like I'm of this nationality. And then two, I love the second one. Um, nor, nor is it because of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Meaning this isn't something you can do on your own, yeah. your own religious efforts, your own, any kind of efforts, anything that you can do to make you loved by God. Well, then how does he say that it goes? Well, it happens, right? We're born, but of God, of him, it's of him. We're included because he included us. It's something he wanted to do. And the way we connect to that, because it's already the decision that he's made in his son. It's already something he's completely decided and taken care of from start to finish, buttoned it all up and said, boom, done. Nothing more to add to it and nothing can take away from it. The only way you can interact with something like that is to walk away from it and say, no, I don't want anything to do with it or trust it, believe it, enter into it by faith. But to all who did receive him, we who believed in his name, he gave them the right. That word is so strong, the right to become children of God, not second class redheaded stepchild kids who just kind of get in and get scraps from the table. No rightful place. Take your seat. You are loved. I call you a child. You're part of the family. Yeah. And amen for it, man. Amen for it. It's a, it's like Jesus is a started the, the biggest and greatest adoption ministry in the history of the world. (laughs) And it's, it's completely done, operated, orchestrated, and funded completely by him. Mm-hmm. It's a good and, way to put know, it. I love that phrase, you know, like he, you know, that, you know, that you brought up just sort of coming off the heels of, again, that, you know, this light has shown and there's some that, you know, refused, right? What is true and the, you know, the religious heart, you know, can't accept this because there's no status to be found or significance to be gained fame and fortune to be obtained, you know, in this, but, but for those who've come to the realization of what the light has exposed, he has given them the rights to become children of God, to become heirs with Jesus, mm-hmm. become one with him, you know, who's made us. And when I think about like, you know, the verses that you were just expounding upon and, and the role that he really reveals of how this is completely orchestrated by him who was life revealing life to us so that we might live in him seeing that you, I find myself really just going, man, 
it totally makes sense because you look at those few occasions in the scriptures where people went to Jesus from this perception of what I do determines who I am, Mm -hmm. what I think, what I believe, where I'm from, what lineage I'm from, the things that I do and don't do in this life that makes me a child of God. Those people who went to Jesus with some more clarity about what they needed to do, like a lawyer who went to him, which led to the parable of the good Samaritan or the rich young ruler who went to him with, man, I've done all the things that you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. What else do I need to do? In all of these occasions, they were all centered around people who were asking, what must I do to become a child of God? In every single instance, Jesus leads them to the conclusion that there is absolutely nothing you can do to become a child of God. Mm -hmm. In every one of those instances, he literally reveals there's nothing you can do. For this is done by him. Yeah. It's an adoption. Dude, adoption and promotion are two different things. Hmm. Promotions that you receive in work because of what you've done, right? Or in, you know, whether it's in like business or or government or you know, military, whatever it might be, promotions, sports. I'm just saying you can keep going down the list. Promotions are not adoptions. Adoptions are 110% something that's carried out and achieved and signed off and declared by the one who adopts. Yeah. That's what you think of the, yeah. Think about the language he's using. He's using born language. Like my kid, my kids had just as much to do with them being born (laughs) as like we had to do with becoming children of God. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children. How did this happen? Was it of of lineage? Was it of like our own efforts? No, like God made it happen. Yeah, God made it happen. And so you're watching the story of Jesus unfold. And again, I feel like he's kind of like almost giving like a summary of the book because you have, you know, the the woman at the well in John chapter four, you have prostitutes at a Pharisee's dinner. You have sinners and tax collectors gathering around tables and they're all included. And Jesus is eating meals with them, which Which is acceptance, which (laughs) yes, it means I accept you. I welcome you. Right. Um, like he's entering into the homes of tax collectors. And it's just like, it's such a shocking way that he interacted with those who were notably or visibly, or like, you know, you are publicly known as a sinner or someone who is outside or can't be included. And like right off the bat, John is just tackling. Let me tell you exactly how this goes down. And it's, it's, it's the exact opposite of the prevailing, the prevailing thought so much so that even after the death and resurrection, you have groups coming from Jerusalem, walking around to communities where Paul's preached the gospel, and they're trying to get them to come back and be more Jewish and to start adopting <laughs> laws and legalism and like all this stuff. And it's like, there's like big conversations going on. Like, dude, how are people included? Like, like the, the Holy spirit is coming to Gentiles and non-Jews and Peter's wrestling with his religion. And it's like this, like this phrase right here, is of who's included and who's a child of God is literally the, 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 the underpinnings. It's the background of like all 
the major argument, like tough wrestlings mm-hmm. of the New Testament. I don't feel like it's any different though than what you see today. Yeah, I for mean, sure. They think about, you know, I work out of, you know, out of out of, out of bars and and breweries, man. It, I'm in conversations almost daily with people about the good news of Jesus and their wrestlings with it. And the thing that I just keep finding today that I also find in the scriptures is we want to obtain our sense of significance through what we do, because then you can control the narrative. And to do that, you get to be able to distinguish yourself from other people. So of salvation, life with God, becomes something that is that is achieved it's, it's obtained it's maintained through what you do then you constantly get to have some form that you can measure map and manage your progress you can measure who you're above and who's below you in the whole status system man which really just comes down to money if you think about it so much of our security is derived from like the status symbols that we can that we can portray in society today. You know, all that comes through again, the what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And so it makes sense like why you would see that abroad in society, but also why you would see the people drag that into our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It makes sense as to why the establishment, as you read right from John one could, would not accept him. Mm. Cause he comes in and declares you were loved and you matter and you belong because of me, because I made you, because I dwell with you, because I love you. That's why you matter. Hmm. It has nothing to do with anything you've done or not done. Yeah. But man, if you want to have like control in this, if you want to have a hand in this, you can't accept that. Yeah. And that's like a sad reality. But actually what you're saying dovetails that we could save this for John chapter four. I think that's the conversation where he gets into it with Nicodemus. He's talking to him about how like you need to be born again. And I know that that phrase became like this slogan back in the like, you know, the 60s and the Jesus movement and like born again became this like, you know, almost like an adjective or this like slogan that, you know, obviously is like has this weird like connotation or whatever. But basically what we're talking about here is not improvement. We're talking about the, the crucifixion and death of what (laughs) you think life is about of who you think you are of what this whole, that whole status, everything that you just said, who, why you think you belong. It's the death of that idea. And thus the death of what you thought those things made you to be the death of that the realization that no, Jesus is our life. Jesus is our righteousness. And the person that is born anew in light of that, God's not into improvement. He's not into cleaning you up. He's not into making you straighten up your ways and start flying. Right. He's into crucifying you and making you new. That's what he's into. Yeah. Yeah. Improvement. Improvement would be a great plan if you were improvable. (laughs) But it's like, if you've probably learned anything about yourself or anything about humanity in general, like improvements, improvements, not possible. Yeah. Right. We, we need a savior, man. We, we need somebody's life for our own. Hmm. And I feel like the, 
there's such a, a, a beauty and a revelation and an invitation in that. But it, you also see like, you know, why it wars against our flesh. Yeah. And so I, th- I get it, man. Yeah. And I think the, one of the most shocking things in these last couple of verses here in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, like to all, I mean, these people mm. who John's writing to, um, were so used to just certain people belonging, certain people getting in. And John is opening up this narrow, this narrow door of who gets to participate in this word who was face to face with the father who gets to participate in the life of this God who now shares his life with us and invites us in by faith. And it's like, no, dude, dude, everybody's in man. And those who are, and those who are realizing that are receiving that they're believing that. And just so you know, just like spoiler alert, like you always wonder about an author's intention. Like, why does he write? Like, why do I, why does a artist make, the art that he makes what does a musician you know do what he does or why is why is an author writing you know this particular piece and john lets us know and i just feel like with verse 12 but to all who did receive him who believed in his name i think it was just a good just a, a good moment to say he lets us know why he writes in john 20 31 he says but these these things are written that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name. There is no other way to find the life that God has for you in his son, apart from believing, because anything that is not believing is earning, working, trying, improving, whatever you want to attach to that. You got no room for believing and trusting when you think you can do this. Yeah. And to me that I know some people I've, I've spoke with can sometimes see that as like, well, man, that's really narrow-minded, you know, or like, you know, that's really arrogant to say that, you know, there's just like this one way. Um, but I think when you're talking, I think we just have to pull back and remember that we're talking about the creator of all things. The creator of all things is saying, I am life. And in me is the light of men. And if you think there's another way apart from me, if you think there's some life out there apart from me, who is life, yeah, you've, you've missed it. And I get why it's easy to believe that because in your unbelief of what God's actually declared, you think control over creation is possible. And in the believing of that myth, you know, it's easy to miss what's reality. But me declaring that I'm the only way isn't, isn't arrogant if it's true. Hmm. If the creator of all things is saying that to accept my acceptance is life, is to be the children that you were created to be, right? That's not narrow-minded. That's just reality. And it's accepting reality. And thankfully, that this reality is it's pretty crazy about us. Yeah. Yeah, it would be arrogant if it was like a bunch of places you can go and find life. Um, but then <laughs> right. one dude was like, no, it's just here. Just, just here. here. Just, just me. Here. <laughs> um, but in, in our case, uh, there, 
there, there really is just one light of the world. There really is just one word who was face to face with the father in eternity past, uh, who was God himself, who became flesh and in him yeah. was life and his life was the light of men to lovingly through the sending of his son, look us all dead in the eye and be like, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one yeah. comes to the father except through me. So if y'all want to know peace, if y'all want to know what it's like to belong, if y'all want to know what it's like to be loved and have a peace everlasting, this is the way. And it's the yeah. only way. Yeah. And if you want to learn how to say y'all like Tony has oh, over God. the years. <laughs> Damn it. It's three, always my three, three y'alls. Yeah, that was a lot. Oh, I was actually statement. thinking of that. Like when I was, I was like, I'm saying y'all a lot. It's like when I get around my southern, I get around my southern phrase. friends. Man, I'm a, actually I'm a very easily influenced person, and that that kind of frustrates me a little bit. But that's it. There we go. We're keep we're sticking with our 30 minutes, roughly. So we did it, we're man. Done. We did it, man. We got a lot more to say. We have a lot so more. Until to say. next time. Until next time. Cheers to you. Cheers.